Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of the Less Stress Based Podcast, the podcast where we discuss ways to optimize your life and your wellness. I'm your host, Peter Collin, and my very special guest today is international Buddhist teacher Kadam Adam Starr, resident teacher at the Tara Kadampa Meditation Centre in Temple Oak in Dublin here in Ireland. Now, Kadam Adam has been teaching Buddhist meditation, mindfulness and Buddhist teachings since 2004 in Ireland, the UK and Europe, and he studied under the renowned Buddhist master, teacher and author, the venerable Geshe Kalsang Gyatso Rinpoche, one of the great Tibetan Buddhist meditation masters. Prior to his calling as a Buddhist teacher, Kadam Adam was a director in an international media company specialising in mergers and acquisitions. And in this special episode, he speaks to the practical and the spiritual aspects of managing stress and anxiety in work and life. And I think his his previous career would certainly give him the ability to speak about that. Now, during the conversation, we explore many topics, including how to unlock meditation and mindfulness as powerful vehicles to alleviate stress, to cultivate self-awareness and inner wisdom, and to create lasting positive change in your life. The conversation serves as a very useful overview of how meditation, mindfulness and Buddhist wisdom can help navigate the challenges we all meet as we make our way through life. And that includes both practicing and non-practicing Buddhist listeners alike. Now, this is a very special and a very useful conversation. So I'd urge you to listen to it more than once to pick up on everything that Kadam Adam shares. He was also kind enough to do a 15 minute meditation at the end. And I'm very grateful for his time in coming to Cork to speak with me. So without further ado, I bring you Kadam Adam Starr. So a very warm welcome to everybody um, tuning into the podcast. Uh, you're very, very welcome and an extremely warm welcome to you, my guest, Adam, uh, Kadam Adam Starr. Um, delighted to have you, to welcome you to the, to the real capital. I, I don't say that to many dubs, but, you know, because I don't get the chance to, but I said I might extend that welcome to you. You're welcome to Cork. And it's just a, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you. Um, and it's a, a bit of an ambition fulfilled for me. I know we've met before, um, but I, I'm just thrilled at the, uh, at the chance to get to speak to you uh, at an in-depth level, I suppose, really, and have a, a, a really good conversation about, um, about mindfulness, about meditation, uh, and about the benefits that that can bring to people in their lives, um, and maybe dig into some little wisdom you might be able to um, impart to us. But before I say any more, I'm going to hand it straight to you. Uh, I'm going to ask you, I know you've got a really interesting backstory, um, and if you can just maybe tell us something about your journey through life and how you came to be sitting opposite me having this conversation. Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, it's lovely to be with you again, Peter, and uh, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. Um, so my journey to where I am now with as a meditation teacher and a teacher of Buddhist uh, practice and so forth, um, it basically it started back in 1997. So I left Ireland in 1989, moved to London. And in 1997, I met meditation and particularly I met 
meditation practice within the Buddhist meditation tradition and lineage. And in particular, not long after that, I met my teacher, Geshe Kelsan Gyatso Rinpoche, who's one of the great contemporary Buddhist meditation masters originally from Tibet. And also I met that tradition and lineage that I now practice within and teach within the Kadampa Buddhist tradition. So I met that in 1997, uh, Buddhist meditation. A little bit later, I met the tradition. And then I started practicing that, loved it from the get-go. So I deeply enjoyed meditation from the day I met it. But as I progressed in my meditation practice, I also started to progress in my career and started to really discover the incredible benefits of mm. really integrating that daily meditation practice into my life and using that Buddhist philosophy and how to live with increasing kindness, wisdom, compassion. And I found that really um deeply helped me in my career and in my life. So I continued with that practice. And as my career progressed, I really started to double down on the meditation practice because I realized how much it was helping me in my everyday life with the struggles with stress and so forth of having a more expanded role and constant travel schedule and so forth. Sure. So then in around 2005, I decided to take a break from my corporate career. So I basically decided to go away for a year, see how it went. So I went to a Buddhist meditation center in the countryside in Northamptonshire, a retreat center and a meditation center. And I basically, within a few months of kind of doing some meditation practice and retreat there, I started teaching a little, that then became a lot. So this one year break basically turned into a near 20 year break now. And, and so <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs> so since then, um, yeah, I've just basically continued on teaching and sharing this lineage in whatever way I can, you know, whether it's at a meditation center, whether it's in a podcast, <laughs> whether it's, you know, at a, a course or a workshop or retreat or talking to a university, talking at workplaces. And for me, I guess the essence of it has always been just this simple ongoing conversation with individuals and organizations about how daily meditation practice and learning to live more consciously with wisdom and compassion in everyday life can have a profoundly beneficial impact on our own peace of mind, happiness, well-being, but also have a really profoundly positive impact on the people and the world around us. So for me, it's just a conversation, really. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, from my own perspective, I suppose, just a little bit of a, for, for the listeners, because um, I'm not in the business of, let's say, selling Buddhism or promoting, you know, but I, I'd be absolutely, as, as I'm, I'm very honest about this, I come at things like from a secular, practical perspective, um, because I'm not a practicing Buddhist, even though much of what I read and much of what I, uh, you know, I hear from the Buddhist tradition, and particularly from yourself, um, resonates hugely because it, it for me it, it, it seems very very practical in in terms of addressing maybe the stresses and strains of, of modern life or even optimizing life you know and getting the very most out of it through meditation and mindfulness. But I'm very mindful, no pun intended, at the same st at the same time that you know mindfulness is a, a phrase. Let's look at that for a, for a start. Okay, mindfulness is a phrase that's thrown around quite a lot we see it in in you know as promoted and there's a lot of talk about mental health and well-being and um what exactly is mindfulness and i, I heard a, a phrase recently that said mindfulness is simply paying attention to what you're paying attention to is it as simple as that you know as just to for the completely uninitiated what is mindfulness yeah so 
I think it always, it's an interesting point because as you say, in more recent times, the term mindfulness has been popularized as basically a standalone practice of non-judgmental self-awareness. And that's what often people are talking about. So paying attention to your thoughts, feelings and emotions mm. without judging them or paying attention to something without any judgment there. So Often what people are talking about nowadays, and understandably it's very popularized in the media and so forth, is this standalone practice of non-judgmental self-awareness. Now, the original meaning of the term mindfulness, as explained by Buddha over two and a half thousand years ago, was basically a quality of the mind that can be cultivated through practice. So within the Buddhist meditation tradition and lineage that anyone can practice, non-Buddhist and non-Buddhist alike, mm -hmm. there's this understanding of mindfulness as this quality of the mind that can be cultivated through practice, which simply means mindfulness is, in its simplest terms, just a non-forgetting in your heart or remembering. So, for example, <laughs> after today, I'll leave here and I know where I'm going because I've been to that place before. The reason I know where I'm going is because I remember it. I'm mindful of where, I, where I'm going to. So I'm going to that place after this because I've been there before. I have familiarity with it. So mm -hmm. I'm mindful of where I'm going to. So that's a simple way of understanding. But however, there are incredibly profound, profound and liberating uh, applications of developing this quality of mindfulness. So, for example, mindfulness within its understanding within the Buddhist meditation tradition, again, anyone can practice it, is basically the beating heart of meditation practice. So let's say, for example, I'm meditating on a meditation on love. Mm -hmm. And I'm in that meditation practice, I'm contemplating the kindness of others, and I'm contemplating the potential of others, and I'm connecting with people in my heart, developing a warm-hearted feeling of love and connection with others in meditation. The way I'm able to hold that in meditation is through what's known as mindfulness. I'm able to hold that feeling, this warm-hearted feeling of love. And it's that warm-hearted feeling of love that I hold in my heart that actually deepens the experience of love within my mind, within my heart. So the function of that is to be able to hold a feeling in meditation without forgetting it and then to carry it into your day and into your life. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm deepening that practice every day and I'm meditating on loving kindness or I'm developing this warm-hearted feeling of love and I deepen that experience in meditation, then when I walk out of meditation, interacting with my family, my friends and so forth, I'm able to maintain that warm-hearted feeling of love through this mindfulness that I'm developing being able to remember or hold in my heart that feeling. Even when people are challenging me or it's a difficult day, I'm still able to maintain that warm-hearted feeling of love. So in meditation, you cultivate this quality of mindfulness. And then in daily life, that enables you to maintain the insights, the experiences you've had in meditation throughout your day and your life. So you're training the mind to be able to hold and not forget, for example, a feeling of love or an experience of peace and so forth. That's wonderfully put. I, I love the... The holding, you know, it, it, there's something very warm and kind of uh, touching about that image, you know, the way you, you kind of describe it that way. One of the words I picked up on or one of the phrases, um, which I hadn't really thought about, uh, you know, when I asked the question was, you know, the notion of non-judgmental, being non-judgmental, because, I mean, again, for the ordinary person who might be tuning in or listening, uh, to me, that seems to be one of the drivers for the kind of issues that we feel in our lives. You know, we're, we're either judging other people's situations, things that happen to us, 
or else we feel that we're being judged, you know, in reverse, the other way around, you know, one way or the other. So, um, talk to me about that non-judgmental. That, that's something you probably have to cultivate through training again, I imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that degree of um, non-judgmental self-awareness that people talk about is actually, it is implicit within all of the trainings within Buddhist meditation and practice, mm-hmm. this ability to be aware of your thoughts, your feelings and your emotions without judging them or in some way without getting caught up in them, identifying with them and starting to judge yourself for having them. Okay. So that ability to be aware of your thoughts, your feelings, emotions is really without any judgment and without any self-recrimination and so forth. It's a really important practice because if we're to really move beyond these kind of feelings we have where we never feel we're quite enough or we never feel we're quite good enough or we feel in some way, you know, limited in some way, really what we're doing at that time is we're identifying with thoughts, feelings and emotions as if they reflect who we are, as opposed to just thoughts, feelings, emotions running, arising from the mind at that time that are we're getting caught up in and mistakenly identifying with. But we're not our thoughts, we're not our feelings, we're not our emotions. We have them, but we're not them. Mm. So if I have the thought, I'm never good enough, mm. that doesn't mean I'm never good enough. It just means I have a thought in my mind thinking I'm never good enough. But if I grasp at that mm. and identify with it, I'll start to feel like that is who I am in this moment. And if I continue to do that somewhat unconsciously moment to moment, gradually I'll start to just feel that's who I am. So being able to be aware of whatever thought, feeling or emotions coming up without making any judgment of it or yourself is a starting point Mm. to be able to begin to let go of identifying with that thought, feeling, emotion and actually begin to lean into a wisdom view that actually understands this isn't who I am. It's what I'm feeling at the moment, but I can actually become free of it. I can let go of it and I can move beyond it over time. So that practice of not judging our thoughts, feelings and emotions is basically an entry point into leaning into wisdom that enables us to move beyond those heavy self-judgments and limiting beliefs and so forth. So we have to be able to uh, approach our mind in this very kind of relaxed and patient way, being kind and patient with ourselves, but really beginning to see through those mistaken views we have so that we can gradually move beyond them. Instead of feeling we're never good enough, we always feel we're good within ourselves. We feel good about ourselves and gradually through this kind of training, you feel good about life. Mm, it, and it's that phrase, not being good enough. That, that's actually something that I, we all hear, I think, these days, you know, on the breeze quite a lot. You know, people feel they're not good enough, maybe because, you know, they're seeing something in social media or they're seeing a, you know, a perceived, you know, um, you know, perfect state of life or of looks or of uh, ability to hold um, a relationship or anything like that, you know. And then when they fall short of the mark, you know, people feel I'm not good enough. But... What the picture you're painting, uh, what I'm hearing and picking up on is a lot of those feelings are actually illusions, right? They're, you know, you're not those feelings and the wisdom that can be found through mindfulness and meditation when they're combined, I imagine, would lead you to that conclusion, right? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's essentially the practice of meditation is really about turning in and learning to how to approach those thoughts, feelings, emotions without getting caught up in them judging yourself for having them and feeling somewhat limited by them. Mm. It's about turning in and beginning to gradually let go of those unhealthy, unhelpful thoughts, feelings, emotions and the mental habit patterns that underpin them Mm. so that you start to let them go more and more. And of course, the more you let them go, the better you feel within yourself. You feel more at peace with yourself. You feel more naturally happy. And then you start to relate to your potential to change instead of feeling 
you're never good enough or you're never enough. You start to feel, look, I have these unhealthy thoughts, feelings and emotions. That's okay. But I can actually move beyond them gradually day by day through my training and meditation and mindfulness. Sure. I'm, I'm dying to speak to you about meditation. You know, it's one of my, you know, absolute loves, but what I do, my daily routine, and I'm not a, an expert meditator, but it has made a huge difference in my life. But before we move on to that, I just want to dig into one or two, maybe if you can think about um, or portray a practical example of how cultivating a mindful approach, um, you know, can help, you know, the, ever, the ordinary average person like myself, you know, in life, you know, in general, you know, if you can think of how we can apply it to a problem or a situation or, or a feeling in practical terms. Can you? Yeah, you sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, the first starting point I would say is this beginning to reorientate around how you see problems. So normally when we think we have a problem, let's say we get up on a Monday morning and we realize we have a very long to-do list and we realize in our hearts, I just don't have time to do all of this. Today. You know me too well. <laughs> and most of us <laughs> and everybody on the podcast. And, and you know, we get up and then, of course, inevitably when we have that on a Monday morning, we start off on the wrong foot. We feel a bit stressed out, maybe a bit anxious, a bit overwhelmed. We're looking at that to-do list and we think we haven't got the time to do all of this. Mm. So our normal instinct is simply to turn out and start getting on with doing the to-do list. Mm. But the challenge with that is we're doing it from a stressed out, somewhat overwhelmed and anxious mind. And so we bring that kind of mind to this to-do list. And of course, that will quite likely just increase your stress, your anxiety, your overwhelm. Now, some people would say, but that's not a problem. That's actually what energizes me to get it done. It's me stress. It's me anxiety. That's moving me to get it done. Well, then you just need to ask yourself, which state of mind is more helpful to you to get that to-do list done quicker and, you know, more comfortably? A stressed out, overwhelmed and anxious mind or a calm, clear and spacious mind. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do with that kind of practical approach, as you say, is become aware when you feel you have a problem. Mm -hmm. Whenever you feel you have a problem at all, remind yourself that's the problem. It's the feeling of stress or anxiety that's arising in my mind when I look at my to-do list out there. So what we can do is make a clear definition between an outer problem and an inner problem. The outer problem is whatever you're facing in your life today, in this case, the to-do list. But it could be the challenging world we live in, the difficult times we live in. It could be difficult people in your life or difficult people at work. That's what we call an outer problem. But what we're encouraged to do within this kind of training is make that clear distinction between outer and inner problem. The inner problem is the feelings of stress, anxiety, anger, frustration that arise in your mind mm -hmm. when you meet problems out there. That's the real problem. We need to prioritize around this problem, this inner problem, because if we can let that go, mm -hmm. if we can become free of that more and more over time, then we don't have a problem with the problems out there. We just have a lot of problems out there, but it doesn't feel so problematic for us in here because we're developing these inner resources to deal with it. So let's look at that practically. Next time you feel you have a problem, your mind will go out and that's okay. That's all part of the training. But instead of allowing your mind to stay out there, for example, fixated on the to-do list, ask yourself, how do I feel? And you'll notice that you're feeling a bit stressed, a bit anxious. It's the only re reason you know you have a problem. Like if you looked at that to-do list and you had a calm, clear, peaceful mind, how would you know you had a problem? Mm -hmm. So the problem, this inner problem is the real problem. 
So turn your focus into that again without any judgment. Just, okay, I'm feeling a bit stressed. I'm feeling a bit anxious. I'm a normal person. We feel stressed and anxious when we have a lot to do and not enough time to do it. So acknowledge that you have that feeling, that stress, that anxiety. Just be openly and honestly acknowledge how you're feeling without any judgment. But it's really important we do do that because when we don't openly and honestly acknowledge how we feel, we tend to repress. Repressed feelings are just simply feelings that we haven't openly acknowledged that we have. Like somebody says to you, you look a bit stressed. I'm fine today. There's nothing wrong with me. It's everybody else today, for example. (laughs) Yeah. So just openly and honestly acknowledge that you're just being honest with where you're at. You don't have to tell everybody else. You're just aware there's a feeling coming up. And then what we want to do next is just fully and wholeheartedly accept how you're feeling. Just be at peace with the reality that you've got some stress or anxiety arising in your mind. Often when we feel stressed or anxious, when we look at our to-do list, we have this kind of strong grasping in the mind. Thinks, oh, no, I can't believe I'm there again. I'm in that stressed out, anxious state. That's just going to make you more stressed and more anxious. Well, just think about this. What if you were to just say, yeah, I accept this. It's just a bit of a wave of stress or anxiety arising in my mind. What I found myself when I do that, is actually this stress or the anxiety begins to immediately dissipate just in the open-hearted acceptance of how you feel. However, when you do that, so you're acknowledging and you're accepting how you're feeling, then what you need to do next is not try to push the feeling away or get rid of it in any way. Just bring your attention to your breath. Just bring the attention to the breath. You don't have to be a master meditator to do this. You just have to be aware of when you're feeling that way. Bring your attention to the breath. And as you bring your attention to the breath and you start to let it go, focusing on the thoughts that are generating the stress or anxiety or focusing on the feelings of stress and anxiety, Mm -hmm. as you bring the attention, keep bringing it back to the breath, your attention will begin to settle more on the breath. And you'll notice that these thoughts and feelings begin to dissolve like waves returning to an ocean. Why is that? It's very simple. These thoughts, feelings that we feel so stuck in and as I was saying earlier on, overly identified with at times. They're just simply like waves arising from the ocean of your mind. They're not fixed. They're not solid. Mm -hmm. If you don't give them energy, they will cease anyway. So what you want to do is not try and cause them to cease, but just move your attention to the breath instead of them. So you're not giving them energy. You're not following them. And if you do that, they'll dissolve anyway. So my simple test for everyone is to on the podcast is to say, what were you thinking an hour ago precisely? What were you feeling an hour ago precisely? (laughs) (laughs) Pop quiz. (laughs) Because the general response to that is, I can't remember. Exactly. Of course we can't remember. Because all our thoughts, feelings and emotions, they arise and they dissolve, they arise and they dissolve. So why do some feel like they're just hanging around way too long? Because we give them attention, we give them energy, and then we continue to maintain that thought, feeling, emotion. So what we do is take that simple truth and start working with it. Instead of giving them attention, give your breath attention. And as you do, you'll notice as basically focusing on the breath as it enters and leaves through the nostrils. It's this relaxed way. Mm-hmm. And then you'll notice with a bit of practice and a lot of patience with yourself and the process, it will just naturally begin to dissolve. And as it starts to begin to dissolve that stress and anxiety, you will vet definitely come back to a more natural experience of inner peace and inner calm. Now, with that more peaceful, calm mind, now look at your to-do list. And now see where you're at with it. You'll notice that it's far easier to get it done with that calm, clear and peaceful mind. Now, you may think 
Yeah, but as soon as I look at it, the stress comes back. Okay, so that's part of the training. You need to get familiar with it. But the other thing is just simply then use a bit of wisdom. Having a lot to do on a Monday morning and not enough time to do it is life. That's just normal. There's nothing unusual happening. We think it shouldn't be happening this way. I don't want it to be this way. But problems in life are normal. It's always possible you're going to have that kind of to-do list on a Monday morning for a lot of people or any problem in life. Just come to this simple conclusion in your heart. Problems are normal. And right now I have a problem. So instead of rejecting it, resisting it, I accept it and work with it to the best of my ability. As soon as you fully and wholeheartedly accept anything in your life, any problem in your life, you'll naturally return to peace of mind. Patient acceptance is a kind of core practice within this kind of training. It simply is fully and wholeheartedly accepting whatever's in front of you to save and deepen your peace of mind. As soon as you accept, it's like a bridge back to the inner peace and the inner resources to work with everything without feeling overwhelmed by it. So the first step is to notice how you're feeling, to let that go. You don't have to push it away. You just have to focus on the breath, like waves that will dissolve. The second step is then turn out to the outer problem and accept that and then work with it to the best of your ability. The more you can accept it, the more you'll notice you're at peace with it, not so overwhelmed by it. Wow. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's unique uh, for me to hear that. You know, it's, 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 it's new. Um, and, and it's just that I, I, it seems like a hugely attractive proposition, you know, to be able to control your mind to that degree. Because I, I imagine that a lot of people, again, on the podcast, a lot of people I meet in life, they're generally being swept along by all that life entails, you know, I mean, be it, you know, career, family, pressures, you know, mortgage, payments for the car, whatever it is, they're being swept along. So in a way, there there is a lack of control there, you know, that people are being continually reactive to. But what I'm hearing here is that it's, it's, it's a really attractive proposition to take back control to a degree and to actually engage on your terms, you know, so that um, we haven't spoken about meditation yet. I'm hearing that they're interlinked and they're really quite entwined, you know, in a very attractive way. But, you know, that that that's a great prospect, isn't it? To be able to take control of your own mind and to to train yourself so that, you know, the tables are turned really on life. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, you see, nowadays, I think often people have got to a point where they think I can't take control of my own mind. And when I hit difficult situations, I'm way too easily triggered. And I'm not able to deal with these situations and I do feel overwhelmed by them. And that's entirely understandable, especially in the way the world is at the moment. Mm. You know, are always on lifestyles, the constant demands on us, even just like looking at the news on any given day. You know, we're looking for good news and all we ever get is bad news. So it's understandable that people feel that way, that, you know, I'm not able to control this. I'm too easily triggered. But it's all just simply about training. It's simply a a practice of learning how to take very good care of your mental and emotional well-being on a regular and ideally daily basis. That's what all of this training is, whether it's the practices that Buddha taught or the meditation practices. They're these universal practices that anyone can learn and use in their everyday life that are really applicable to the practical challenges we face in everyday life. So as we start to internalize and become familiar with these practices, what I've just explained there becomes far more instinctive. Mm. So it's not like you're having to overthink that. You're just instinctively responding in that way through your familiarity and training. 
So it's just like if you learn any sport and you get very good at it, a lot of that reaction in sport is just simply somebody's familiarity of constantly going through the same routines over and over again, the same training over and over again. So it's instinctive. And that's how you become an elite sports person through instinctive mm -hmm. reactions to situations and so forth. And so it is with this, you you learn to train and master this these skills and this art over time. And then you start to realize, yeah, I can control my response to what's happening here. And as our meditation practice improves and deepens over time, sure. we start to realize actually that's giving me the space to be able to respond more constructively to. So Adam, you know, I'm very grateful to you, um, not just for the podcast today, but because you basically introduced me to the whole notion of meditation. Um, now, I had, I'd been aware of it, but back around 2018, I was lucky enough to find uh, a flyer in a cafe, uh, which um, pointed me in the direction of Meditating Ireland, um, which we will talk about later. And you were holding an event under the Meditating Ireland um, uh, banner in Cork. Uh, so I went along more out of curiosity than anything else, you know, and uh, I was looking for tools at the time to try to help me manage stress that I was experiencing in my career. Completely, everybody will um, re relate to that, very normal. And um, and then when I, f when I went into the room, there were a number of people there, maybe 20, 30 people. Um, and, you know, you held the space, um, but you had this feeling of con control. You exuded this kind of control and this peacefulness. And I remember the phrase um, uh, was that, um, a peaceful mind and a good heart was what you, you said a number of times. And that really struck a chord with me. And obviously through your practice of meditation, you had, um, you know, you'd come to this place, you know, this stage in your, in your own career. So I'm just wondering, can you talk to us about your own personal meditation journey? Because you were like me at one stage, you were, you had to start it off. You had to get the discipline of daily practice. Um, maybe some people have tried it and maybe not got what they wanted from it. Um, and so just, you know, if you could talk to us about how you got into meditation and how you maybe brought your practice to where it is now. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the first thing I would say is that's very kind of you, but I'm like you at this stage too. We're all just working with what we're working with. And okay. I think, yes, our practice evolves over time. Our meditation practice strengthens and deepens and we feel deeper benefits from it. But it's also important to say for the listeners, you know, it's not like I walk around in a constant state of peace and non-agitation. You know, I'm just a normal human being like everyone else. But it definitely has improved a lot over the years. That's that's true. You know, mm -hmm. I can definitely say it's improved a lot more than it than maybe when I started. So okay. I suppose to your question, let's look at where it started. <laughs> exactly. It was basically <laughs> similar to you. You know, I was I was at the time um, I had always had a leaning towards that contemplative, meditative mm. um way of life, I guess, you know, maybe I completely forgot it in my teens, but it always kind of appealed to me. Mm. However, with, you know, career and, and life in London, I never really got around to it until, as I say, maybe later in my 20s, um, into my late 20s, and, and really started to see that actually, as soon as I started, it was helping a lot with the stress and so forth I was feeling at work and in my life. And as I was saying earlier on, for me, um, I just loved it from the get go. So just being able to sit every day and this is obviously pre, um, you know, pre Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of those. <laughs> this was like when we had dial up broadband. Sorry, that's I'm sure we ate it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm right so, there with you. So it was a lot easier for me to, to not have emails coming in and so forth and just be able to sit 
And so I just loved sitting every day to meditate in the morning before I started my work. And I was feeling the profound benefits of it. But that doesn't mean that when I sat down to meditate, I didn't have to work through a lot. I definitely did mm -hmm. to kind of start to build my meditation experience. But actually, ironically, where I found it started to help is when my career started to uh, grow and my job started to increase and the, the role that my, my role started to expand. It was at that time that I realized actually what was previously a nice to have and I was enjoying a lot was now becoming essential to my daily life to work with that stress in a healthier way, to work with every situation with a bit more wisdom, a bit more compassion. And it's then when I started to really double down on the meditation practice and applying these insights and practices in daily life that I started to really deeply feel the benefits of it, okay. which is what really motivated me to want to share it and to teach it more, because if it could work for me, it could work for anyone. Okay. So where it started uh, for me, where it starts for everyone, to be honest, is what I'd encourage everyone on the podcast is to keep it really, really simple and doable at the beginning for you. So we can find a simple meditation practice. Sometimes it's good for people at the beginning to get a guided meditation practice. And um, back in the day when I was learning, there weren't guided meditation practice <laughs> available to me anyway. So I just learned a simple breathing meditation. So in that kind of practice, you learn, as I said earlier on, to bring your attention. So you turn inwards. And okay. this is what I started with. It's just this turning inwards, which is what meditation is, is a turning inwards. And mm focusing your attention without distraction over time. Not at the beginning, there's lots of distraction. Mm -hmm. But focusing your attention without distraction on something you can prove through your own direct experience is giving rise to an increasing feeling of inner calm and peace of mind. That's when you know you're meditating. You're focusing on something that is giving rise to an increasing experience of inner calm and peace of mind. So at the beginning, focusing on the breath instead of your busy thoughts, feelings and emotions and distractions is focusing on something that enables you to let go of focusing on all of that. Mm -hmm. And as you do, as I said earlier, the mind will begin to settle and you'll experience some increasing inner peace and inner calm or peace of mind. Mm -hmm. That is a simple meditation practice. But as you progress in meditation, you can develop um, focus on certain feelings or intention or views such as love or compassion or wisdom that significantly increases your peace of mind and happiness. So. In that way, what I would encourage people at the beginning and what was very helpful for me was to sit down each day, maybe 10 to 15 minutes, you know, 10 to 20 is ideal if you can. Mm. Get into a rhythm of sitting down every day and just turning inwards, focusing on the breath, letting go, focusing on anything else. And as you do, what you'll discover is as you start to focus on the breath, those busy thoughts, feelings and distractions will definitely dissolve because you're removing the attention from them. You're not giving them energy. The light waves settling back into this increasingly still and calm ocean of the mind. Nice. And what you discover through that is I actually am now beginning to discover that I can let go of what's bothering my mind. So here's the key with meditation and even a simple breathing meditation like this. It's not just about that experience of inner calm and peace of mind that's really important. What's important is the wisdom insight you extract from that experience at the end of your meditation practice. So in this simple meditation, you're focusing on the breath, you're letting go, focusing on anything else. As you start to settle the mind, you'll start to experience that increasing inner calm and peace of mind. And by the way, also the natural feelings of happiness and well-being that arise from that. Mm. Because what meditators discovered a long time ago 
and I've been trying to encourage everybody else to explore for themselves ever since, since Buddha taught it, is basically that deeper and longer lasting feeling of happiness that everybody wants is simply the experience that comes from a peaceful mind. The more peaceful your mind becomes, the naturally happier you feel. And meditation is quite literally a training in inner peace. Therefore, it's a training in happiness from the inside out. So you bring that peace and happiness to your day. You bring that peace and happiness to your life. You bring that peace and happiness to your relationships. Instead of constantly expecting it from life, people and relationships (laughs) and feeling frustrated and so forth. So getting back to the point of this, how we start and how I started. And then you start to center in that calm and peaceful mind. And at the end of it, you realize, actually, now I've learned a method to let go of what's bothering my mind, the stress, the anxiety, which is profoundly liberating for people when they get this insight because you realize these afflictive emotions or disturbing thoughts and feelings that I can Mm. often get really caught up in in my life usually at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) those afflictive thoughts feelings and emotions although I struggle with them and I suffer from them they're not a fixed part of my mind Mm. because anything that's a fixed and permanent resident of your mind can't cease so you prove through your own direct experience and meditation, these are not a fixed, fixed essential part of my mind. I can let them go more and more. The second thing you discover is when you let go of those turbulent thoughts, feelings, emotions, you begin to experience this increasingly natural, peaceful mind. Mm. You realize actually what meditators have known for a long time, that the mind is by nature peaceful. Mm. The essential nature of the mind is peace. And this, for me, is like a, a, a mic dropping moment when yeah. this dawns on you because you're not thinking about this theoretically. You're sitting in meditation. You're just focusing on the breath. You've realized you can let go of what's bothering your mind. But as soon as you let go, you return to this calm, clear and peaceful mind. So it's like turbulent waves in an ocean. If you just sit there watching the ocean all day, you'll think that the ocean is by nature turbulent. Yeah. But if you sit there long enough, somewhere in West Cork, for example, and you sit for long enough, you'll notice that the ocean eventually begins to settle at some point and returns to its natural state, which is calm and still. And so it's the same with the mind. We're we're constantly following these disturbing thoughts, feelings, emotions, getting caught up in our stress and anxiety. So we've come to the assumption the mind is naturally turbulent and disturbed and distracted and agitated. It's not. It's just normally disturbed, agitated and distracted because we're constantly following those thoughts and feelings. So as you learn to let those go, Mm. what you notice is as soon as I let them go, I always return to this natural feeling of peace. Mm. And as I said earlier on, the natural feelings of happiness that come from that, Mm. meaning you begin to discover this second profoundly empowering insight. I have my own source of peace and happiness in here. In fact, I can tap into this whenever I like. And what Buddha actually said is we have a limitless capacity, a limitless capacity for peace and happiness within us because consciousness is limitless. So that's the second insight somebody who's sitting doing this simple breathing meditation practice can do. The third insight you realize over time, if you're doing that every day, you realize I have the potential to become someone who's increasingly at peace and happy. Because you're discovering every time I sit down, I feel more peaceful, I feel more naturally happy. If you remember what I was talking about with mindfulness earlier on, 
your mindfulness starts to strengthen that feeling of peace and happiness. You start to develop this increasing mindfulness of peace and happiness. You're able to hold that more through your day, through your life. Then you start to realize, actually, previously I thought I was someone who was stressed out, anxious, overwhelmed on the way to burnout. And now I'm beginning to realize, actually, I have all those thoughts, feelings and emotions still. I'm working with them. Mm. But I'm beginning to discover I have the potential to become someone who's increasingly at peace and happy. And so you start to live life from a very different perspective. And to your point about the peaceful mind and good heart, what you also discover is the more peaceful your mind becomes, the more you start to notice feelings like love and compassion are more naturally present. Mm. They're simply an expression of that essentially pure and peaceful nature of your own mind. So anyone can prove this for themselves right now. You don't even have to meditate. Mm. When are you at your most loving? Mm. When I've heard you say it in the past, when you're at your most peaceful, right? Yeah, when you're most relaxed. Yeah. Or when you're at your least loving, yeah. when you're stressed out yeah. and overwhelmed. So yeah. what we discover is, we're tuning into the essential nature of who we are. Mm. There is a natural peace within everyone's heart. I'm not saying everyone's not normally at peace and happy. I'm saying there is a natural peace there that can be accessed through meditation. Mm. And there's a natural goodness within all of us and a potential, a limitless capacity for the development of those good qualities mm. of love, compassion, kindness and so forth. But if that were just a theory, it wouldn't last very long mm. in this world. It's actually just a proven truth you can discover for yourself that people have been discovering for thousands of years we have an innate peace and goodness within us we have a potential or capacity for ever increasing peace happiness and good qualities within our hearts you're sitting down to meditate and just focus on the breath it's beginning to open the door to beginning to identify with that potential and how you relate yourself in this way so for me, to your question at the beginning, that's really where my journey started. And mm -hmm. it's been a long journey since, you know, decades of, you know, working with that, doubting that, but then keep coming back to it and proving to myself through my own experience in meditation and daily life that that's not only true of me, but it's true of everyone I know. Even if they are struggling today, I know in my heart they have the potential one day to be better or to work with that, to move beyond that, to not feel so overwhelmed. So we start to change our way we see not only ourselves, but we change the way we see the world. And it's a simple truth. You know, what you believe to be true of yourself, you naturally think is true of everyone else. Sure. And so if you think, if you haven't got a good view of yourself thinking you're never enough and you're just like, you know, not somebody to be trusted, well, what do you think you're going to think of other people? Mm. Whereas if you think, yeah, everyone has their crazy tendencies and so forth, just just like me. But we all have the potential to be a lot better than that one day. Mm. Imagine what a world you would live in then if you could see the world from that perspective. True. So it was that that was the starting point for me is discovering this incredible potential we all have. Yeah. And that was what energized me to want to continue my own practice and to want to help others if I could mm. with the little experience I have. And then, of course, that grew over time. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, thank you. That, that That's really insightful. Um, you know, I suppose, you know, everybody, that, that is such a, I'm just thinking and trying to observe it, basically it is a, a mic dropping moment to think that you have that access, accessibility as a latent kind of uh, ability there, you know, that, that you can access uh, feelings of peace and, and happiness and contentment, you know, almost at the drop of a hat if you're practiced over time, you know, and I imagine that that, that is attainable for a lot of people. But life at the same time, is ever changing and it's it will throw challenges continually and i know that 
from the little knowledge I have of, of, of the Buddhist faith, that the notion of impermanence or change is, is one of the central tenets or notions there, you know, and it recognizes that life is changing, you know, and that loss is part of life and that we all face times where we will maybe lose others or maybe lose certain abilities like our health. How can mindfulness and meditation, and maybe I'm repeating the theme slightly here, but I'm trying to nail it down to a specific of, you know, change and impermanence for those people who are maybe suffering, having lost a loved one or maybe facing the prospect of ill health or, or something, uh, something worse in their lives. What would you say to them when it comes to maybe accessing this, the feelings you're, you're speaking of? You know, when you're faced with a tough situation like that, particularly tough situation uh, like that, where there's you're experiencing, you know, loss or impermanence at that, to that degree. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, firstly, and it's really important to say to anyone who's going through grief at the moment and anyone who's experiencing a, a sense of loss at the moment, maybe even somebody who's left them and so forth. It's important to understand that all of these practices, all of these teachings, all of these trainings within them, implicit within in, in all of them is a deep compassion. So it's, it's about they're taught in the context of, you know, compassion for others, but also compassion for yourself, understanding that when you're experiencing that grief and that suffering, what we do with these practices is see how we can begin to increasingly let it go, let go of the pain and the suffering. It's not to let go of the memory of our loved ones or, or anything like that, but just simply to work with the suffering that's coming up in our hearts when we feel this pain of loss. So I guess with that in mind, mm -hmm. um, it really all comes down to this. The whole training in these practices is all about developing the qualities of wisdom and compassion in your heart. Wisdom, in a simple way of explaining it so we can all understand it, is a deep knowing in your heart what's true about yourself, what's true about others, and what's true about life. When you have that wisdom in your heart, and it's not some intellectual understanding, it's something you cultivate in your heart, you have the potential for, you cultivate in your heart through this kind of training in meditation and in daily life. You develop this increasing wisdom that understands in your heart the way things really are. And so... When we understand the impermanent nature of life, we're much more at peace with change and loss. The truth is life is impermanent. It's constantly changing. So I encourage anyone in the podcast to look around the room and point to one thing that's permanent in that room, including yourself yeah. and everyone you love. Everyone's constantly changing. And one of the results of constant change is eventually the cessation of something that's changing. So it's just a normal part of the process of life because everything's impermanent. You, me, and everyone we love will come to an end one day. Mm -hmm. That is just the way things really are. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're fully and wholeheartedly accepting that, that truth in your heart and you really have that wisdom in your heart, there's no shock when things change or people change or you lose somebody in your life. It doesn't mean you um, are in some way cold hearted as you maintain your love for them. But when you maintain your love for somebody that you've lost in your life, you feel you're connected with them because love literally is a warm hearted feeling of closeness and connection. So if you lose somebody in your life, but you're able to accept and be at peace with the impermanent nature of things, which, of course, yeah. isn't easy. I'm not saying it is. It's yeah. actually really difficult. But if you can get to a place where you're relatively in that space and you can accept that things are impermanent, everything changes, people come and go, 
then when that person leaves your life and you still have love for them, say somebody dies and you feel that love in your heart for them, you'll always feel close and connected with them. And because often what we feel is the loneliness of the loss of them. But if you have love in your heart, you never feel lonely. You always feel close and connected. And that's just the starting point. But a lot of it is really we struggle from these afflictive emotions and also the underlying tendencies. And one of them is attachment. Mm -hmm. It's this strong attachment to think I can't be happy unless you're in my life. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you strongly attach to that idea that I need this person to be happy, if they leave your life, even if you just break up, you feel this heartbreak and loneliness. But actually, that person can't make us happy anyway all the time because they can't make themselves happy all the time. So it's actually a completely mistaken view. Mm -hmm. I can't be happy unless you're in my life. That assumes that as long as you're in my life, I'll always be happy. So ask yourself, having that person in your life, are you always blissfully happy or don't you have up and down days? So it's a mistaken view. And what we can do over time through these practices, just become more aware of that again, without judgment and beginning to move away from it and look at life with wisdom. Nobody can make us happy all the time because none of us can make ourselves happy all the time. So why should we expect them to? When you let go of the attachment for somebody, it doesn't mean you let go of your love for somebody. You just let go of unrealistic expectations of people. So you can maintain a warm heart of love for somebody and that will love in your heart for that person will make you happy. Because if you have a warm heart of love, you have peace of mind, you're happy. So you learn different ways of approaching this. But to your question, somebody who's dealing with that, the one way that can help is understanding everything's impermanent anyway. Everything and everyone that you see that's constantly changing will eventually come to an end. Sure. Everything you have, everyone you see, of course, it's all going to come to an end because it's impermanent. Now, if you can accept and be at peace with that in your heart, the pain isn't so hard. Yeah. And uh, as I say, if we work with the attachment thing and let that go, we can maintain love for people. And when they leave us, we still have that love for them. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That, that's really that, that. That's very insightful. Thank you and helpful. One of the words you mentioned that you know, you've come back to it time and time again um, would be attachment. But if I just kind of move sideways of attachment there and, and think about let's say, let's talk about gratitude and appreciation, you know, on the flip side, let's say, you know, of that, of that coin. And please correct me here. How can we build, you know, how can we aid our lives, I suppose, you know, you know, thinking about gratitude and appreciation? Because one of the things that I picked up, you know, from just my own reading and from, you know, the, the talks that you've given, you know, you know, gratitude is something that has helped me, you know, over the years as well, you know, just being grateful for, and again, it's a well-worn theme, but being grateful for my family, my health, um, for the roof over my head, for the basics that I have, you know, and all the rest of it. And, you know, how would you speak to those as, as essential tools, you know, for aiding us through life as well and uh, and providing succor or, you know, um, uh, help in, in the daily struggle, you know? Yeah, I think it's it's a really... It's a really important practice, um, gratitude or deeply appreciating what's good in your life. I think it's such an important practice. So at the heart of this kind of training within the Buddhist meditation tradition, within this lineage that I train in, a core practice is what's called rejoicing, which is very similar to gratitude. It's basically, it's a sense of deep appreciation for what's good in your life or deeply appreciating what's good in other people's life, being happy for their happiness. Sure. And also deeply appreciating the good qualities you see in others, deeply appreciating the good qualities you have within yourself. 
And so in a sense, it's similar. It's this kind of like deep sense of appreciation for what's good in your life, what's good about you and what's good about others. Mm. And when you have that kind of view, it's not that you're ignoring people's tendencies towards anger or, you know, um, yeah, jealousy and so forth. It's just you're framing it within a context of beginning to appreciate what's good first in your life and in the lives of others and in within you and within them. So why that's really important is because if we can look, say, for example, we wake up on a Monday morning, we're looking at that to do list and so forth. But we can look around, say, our room and just think, you know, actually, I have a home and I have my health today. And, you know, I have good conditions and I have a family or even if I don't have a family, you know, I have friends or whatever it is. If we can take a little bit of time to just pause and deeply appreciate that in our heart, a natural feeling of peace and happiness comes. So you can start every day tuning into that natural feeling of peace and happiness and start your day again from that place of understanding. I have the potential to become someone who's increasingly at peace and happy. Mm -hmm. So that deep appreciation of what's good in your life is one way to cut through whatever you're going on in your mind that day and cut and access, tap into that natural peace, happiness and goodness in your heart. Mm -hmm. Because rejoicing is a positive quality of the mind. It's a cultivated quality of the mind. And so in that way, you start your day from that place and you can then actually expand that and appreciate where it comes from. Like if you think, well, I have a really nice home, you know, I have a nice job have a nice car, whatever it is, whatever works for you, start to ask yourself, where does all that come from? Where is it all coming from? Like somebody built this house, somebody built the furniture that's in this house. Yeah. You know, the car that I sit in, a lot of people put an awful lot of work into that to get it to that point. And you start to think about that in the context of everything you enjoy in your life, if you think about it, actually comes through what we would call the kindness of others, meaning the benefit you receive from the actions of others. For me, that's a kindness because I'm benefiting from others' actions all day long. So when you start to think what's good in your life and you start to deeply appreciate that, also think where it's come from. And if you can think, actually, I'm constantly benefiting from others' actions all day. You get up from your bedroom after doing this rejoicing practice and then you go into your kitchen and you start to make your breakfast. There's somebody somewhere in the field somewhere at the moment making your breakfast for next week. <laughs> When you just appreciate that, what happens is we start to move away from this mistaken view we have of this very separate, independent me that needs to fixate mm. on me and what I want, and what I need. And actually start to understand the truth. We're all interdependent, interconnected. We wouldn't even exist without others. And we're benefiting from their actions all day long. All you need to do is pause and appreciate, feel grateful for that. And what happens is as soon as you do that, and you appreciate the kindness of others, meaning the benefit you receive, mm -hmm. a natural feeling of a warm heart, a feeling of love and connection with others will arise. So you think about what's good in your life gives rise to peace and happiness. Mm -hmm. So that deep appreciation of what's good in your life, it helps you connect to that potential for peace and happiness. It helps you center in that peaceful mind and good heart of your potential. And then you just appreciate where it comes from and it causes those good hearted qualities like love and kindness and compassion to awaken. And so you start your day every day whilst you're eating your granola. <laughs> you start your day every day from that place of peace, potential and love. And that's an amazing practice we could all do on the Monday morning instead of fixating on the to-do list and getting obsessed and stressed out by it. I hear you. How did you know I grew granola this morning? Um, <laughs> Okay, so all that, that that's absolutely wonderful and, and very insightful and extremely useful. 
but you might clarify something for me here. And I say almost this almost tongue in cheek. I'm going to show my hand around my, uh, the fact that I'm an amateur meditator. But, you know, you've mentioned in the past a couple of times around meditating on a particular topic. You know, you've meditated on love. You've meditated on maybe an issue you're experiencing or whatever that may be. Maybe I was laboring under a misconception in the past, but I always thought up to recently even that meditation was just um, you know, creating space in the mind, you know, maybe meditating uh, on, you know, in peace, you know, just, you know, being thoughtless or in silence. Can you talk more about maybe meditating on a particular theme or how you might bring that about and maintain that peace of mind? You know, maybe if it's a particular issue that you're experiencing that comes in, can you meditate there and, and maybe speak to that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good point you bring up. And I think it's something that a lot of people assume meditation is these days where you sit down, you clear your mind or maybe you focus on the breath and you just experience some relative quiet or stillness within the mind and some peace of mind. And that's it. First, I should say that's fantastic if you can do that. That's a great starting point to just be able to sit down and still and quiet in the mind and experience a degree of inner calm or peace of mind. But to believe that's what meditation is, unfortunately, profoundly limits what you can accomplish through your meditation practice. That is what we call a preliminary stage of meditation. Settling, calming and stilling the mind is incredibly important to create the space in your mind to do some deeper meditation that transforms the mind and how you see the world and how you see the world in a much more compassionate and wiser way, for example. So the... What you're experiencing is you're moving from this experience that a lot of people have nowadays of this temporary peace of just comes from settling the mind to this deeper and much more stable and longer lasting peace that comes from transforming the mind, how you see the world, how you relate to yourself, others in the world with wisdom, with compassion that increases your peace of mind and causes your potential to awaken more and more. So I would say it's great to start there. But what we do in meditation is we settle down, we we engage in that breathing meditation or other meditations to settle the mind, to access a calm, clear, peaceful mind. And then we identify, like we looked at earlier on with that piece, as our potential for change. Now we go through a process of change by simply contemplating and reflecting on something that maybe will give rise to a feeling of love or Mm experience of compassion, you contemplate something in your heart that causes that loving feeling to arise, like we looked at earlier on, the kindness of others, or you contemplate with compassion um, and you contemplate contemplate the suffering of others or the challenges you see with your family and friends to generate a feeling and an intention of compassion. And then you focus on that. You hold that in your heart. So let's say that loving feeling, you hold that warm heart of love in your heart with mindfulness. And then you concentrate on that or you remain with it, you abide with it moment by moment without distraction. Mm -hmm. And what happens is the more you hold it in your heart and abide with it without distraction, the more it transforms your mind into the nature of love. So your mind becomes increasingly more loving Mm -hmm. and from that increasingly more compassionate. And so now you're training in a deeper type of meditation Mm -hmm. that simply is causing this good qualities within your heart to strengthen It's causing that pure potential within your heart to awaken. So now you're learning how to transform the mind so that you experience more love in your heart and meditation and then more love in your heart through your day and through your life. Mm. You're using the actual meaning behind meditation, which is it's the most profoundly life changing practice you can use to cultivate all good qualities of the heart 
to find the very deepest peace of mind and happiness and freedom from suffering from a Buddhist point of view, ultimately the supreme and lasting peace and happiness of enlightenment. Now, we may not think today as we're listening to the podcast, that's possible for me. But how about a lot more peaceful, loving, kind and compassionate than we think we can be today? How about we just start there? And that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? If we could just interact with family and friends with a lot more deeper, more stable love, more compassion, more kindness, more acceptance of the challenges we meet, like we looked at at the beginning. Your meditation practice is what helps you in, in, um, cultivate that inner transformation to become the person basically everybody would really love to be, which is much more loving, more compassionate, more accepting of others and herself, much more at peace, much more happy, much more flexible and resilient. Your meditation practice is the very process by which you become that person. It's the deepest training to cultivate the deepest qualities in your heart. So that's really what meditation actually is. And again, like I said, everyone just start where you're at. What feels doable for you? Mm -hmm. What feels pressure free to you? Mm -hmm. And if that is just sitting down to focus on the breath and do a simple breathing meditation and still the mind, remember, you can do this contemplative style at the end of that meditation that we were looking at earlier on looking at this uh, reflection on your own potential yeah. and that's a great starting point then everything else can come later after that but don't limit it to that yeah. you know if you realize you have the potential it. it's time to cultivate that Absolutely. potential your meditation practice will help you fantastic do that. yeah i mean that that is so appealing to know that there are there's a further deeper stage that you can get to um you know that can yield even further peace of mind and uh, and happiness amazing but you, know, you mentioned the word cultivate and I remember you actually referred to a fabulous analogy before uh, to do with gardening, you know. And if you look at the mind in a particular way and like as if a gardener would look at it, you know, um, that, you know, you can actually cultivate your mind in the same way and bring out that beauty uh, and maybe even get rid of a few weeds, you know, metaphorically, you know, whatever. Yeah. Would that be true to say? Definitely. I mean, and I think it's a really important point that we want to introduce into this conversation is. I know. And the reality is because I've definitely felt this before, before myself. People are probably listening to this and thinking, that's great. We have this amazing potential. But let's be honest, that's not the way I feel on most days. I normally <laughs> yeah. feel a bit stressed or anxious or overwhelmed. That's my reality. And so understandably, a lot of people listening to this will be thinking, that's the reality I'm dealing with. So how does this apply to me? The thing is, what we want to do in this kind of training is be really honest that that is true. That is what we're going through. That is the struggles we have. But what we're doing in this training is not ignoring that. We're reframing it. We're reframing it inside this wisdom view and our own growing experience. Not because I'm sitting here saying it, it's true, but through your own growing experience of training in these methods, not just in meditation, the formal session, but through your day and through your life, living with more love, more compassion from that peaceful mind and good heart more and okay. more. The truth of who we are, basically discovering that and becoming that more and more every day. So what we want to get to in this kind of training is basically get to a point where you can hold two seemingly contradictory statements to be true at the same time. We have this amazing potential. We have an innate peace and goodness within us, like we've been looking at today. Mm -hmm. We have the potential to continually cultivate that peaceful mind and good heart day by day. That is true. That actually reflects the truth of who we all are. And Buddha explained it like a gold nugget in dirt. Mm -hmm. Basically, if you think about when you pick up a lump of dirt, if you look at the lump of dirt, you assume, make an assumption that that's all there is, but maybe some gold miner somewhere, <laughs> they'll know <laughs> that there might be something in there. So they clear mm -hmm. away the mud and they see the gold. Yeah. 
We're a little bit like that. There's an innate peace and goodness within everyone. But at the moment, because we're so familiar with these unhealthy emotions and afflictive emotions and mental habit patterns that undermine our self-esteem and cause us to get angry and so forth, that's what we're very familiar with. And that's like the mud on the gold nugget. Because we're so very familiar with it, we're making an assumption that's who we really are. However, the truth is through this practice, as we've been looking at today, you can tune into that innate peace and goodness of your heart and discover that actually the mud is not essential to who I am. It's just habits that I'm now overly familiar with and feeling a bit stuck in because I've never really looked at them. But as you train in this, it's like dissolving away the mud of your stress, your anxiety, your habit patterns and tuning into that gold and connecting with that innate goodness within you, which simply reflects the indestructible truth and the pure potential within everyone's hearts. We all have that gold. You know, we have that saying, like, they have a heart of gold. (laughs) But we also say they have a heart of gold, but they're a bit of a mess. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And that's also true. We have a bit of both. So those two seemingly contradictory statements. One, we have incredible potential. We have this innate goodness within us. We have the potential for love, compassion and wisdom. But the other side of that is we struggle Mm. to live up to that most of the time. Mm. That's also true. But in this training, when you reframe it in this way, when you think about the gold nugget and the mud, I'm not the mud. The gold nugget's who I truly am. It's not in any way tarnished by that mud. It's just temporarily concealed by the mud. You start to clear away the mud of your stress, your anxiety, your feelings of never being good enough. You start to learn in meditation and daily life to let those go in the way we've been talking about today. You start to tune into that gold more and more. But you also realize the mud builds up now and again. I get caught up in stress. I get caught up in anxiety. I get caught up in limiting beliefs about myself. I get caught up in that, you know, inner critical narrative of never feeling I'm quite enough. But that's not a problem to me anymore because I know I have amazing potential. And I'm also honest that I struggle to live up to that at times. But that's okay when I know I can be gradually through this training and through these methods become free of it more and more over time. So it's a little bit like you were saying that gardener analogy. It's like an experienced gardener, when they walk out into a garden, a new garden, maybe, let's say, and, you know, it's covered with weeds and it's a total mess. When they look at that garden, they don't stress out at all because they're able to see two things at the same time. They're able to be honest about the mess. Otherwise, they don't have a job. (laughs) Other aspects that they're able to see at the same time because they have experiences, the amazing potential of that garden to flourish. So from their perspective, they're super relaxed about that. They just get about uprooting the weeds, cultivating the seeds of the garden so the garden can flourish more and more. To someone who's training in this inner training, this training in inner peace, this training in developing this deeper, more stable peace and happiness and good qualities, they look into their mind in the same way everyone else does and they see the combination of both. I know I have this potential to change, Mm -hmm. but I also know I have these disturbing distractions Mm -hmm. and emotions and so forth that I'm going through a process of uprooting and becoming free of. Mm -hmm. But during that process, I'm going to lose it now and again, but that's no problem because I know I can move beyond it eventually. So in that way, you're very at peace with your own imperfections. We struggle to be at peace with our own imperfections. We want to be perfect all the time, look perfect, sound perfect. But life just isn't like that. We are suffering from these familiar habits within our mind. We all do. We all struggle with them from time to time. But when you reframe it inside this context, this vantage point of the experience Mm -hmm. of your own pure potential, your own potential to change, to find that deeper peace, happiness and good qualities, these don't bother you anymore. They're just the work. 
the daily work of a meditator who's becoming free of them more and more. No panic. It's just the work. It's the work on the path, as I would say. It's the work of trainer training. So I think that's really important for everyone to understand when you're listening to this. This doesn't mean you have to start off and every day you're blissfully happy and always at peace. It means just reframe it inside those two things. I have amazing potential. And yes, I struggle to live up to at times. I'm at peace with my own imperfections and I'm perfectly relaxed about this journey because I know I can awaken that potential and become free of these limitations in time. So when we hold that, it's like this feeling like, I think the best way I would put it is like, you always feel like you've got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Do you know that bit? Like we're always trying to hide a bit of ourselves from yeah. anybody in a conversation. It's like, we want to present a certain image to the world. And, you know, social media seems to amplify that need to sure. present a certain image to the world. We don't want to show our flaws. You know, even in our Instagram posts, we don't show our flaws because we can airbrush them out. <laughs> but we're like that. We want to present this image to the world because we don't always feel great within ourselves. Yeah. And because of that, we want people to say, oh, you're, you're looking fantastic in that photo or you're a really good person. But when you're like this, you're just real. You're just honest. Yeah, I know I have amazing potential. I know I have flaws and limitations that I'm working through. I know I have them, but not for one moment do I think I am them. And I know through this training, I'm becoming free of them. So you get to this place where you feel in your heart, I've got nothing to hide here. I'm just being myself. I know I and everyone else have amazing potential, and that's what's most important. And I know I struggle to live up to that at times. And when I do struggle to live up to it and I lose it completely with somebody, I apologize and move on without berating myself and saying I'm the worst person in the world. It's just encouragement. I need to train a little bit more to let go of my anger or my stress or whatever. Sure. So I'd encourage everyone to see that for themselves. You just start where you're at. You don't need to be perfect to train these methods. In fact, the whole point of this is to work with those imperfections in a really relaxed way. They don't reflect some inherent flaw or character default within us. They just reflect the work we need to do to become the person we want to be gradually more and more. I love the the realness of that. I love the honesty of it, you know. Um, We could be here, well, if I had my way, we could be here for another two hours chatting, okay? But uh, I'm conscious you're you're on a schedule here. And so can I just say, uh, I want to talk about how people can actually contact you um, I've been, I've been lucky enough to be into the uh, the beautiful new um, meditation centre in Dublin in Temple Oak, which I would advise anybody if you're in Dublin, especially to uh, to go along and to check out. Um, but maybe you could just chat to us about, you know, how, you know, the events that are going on with Meditate in Ireland and the Kadampa tradition in Ireland and how they can contact you. Yeah, sure. So our main centre in Ireland, in the south of Ireland, is Tara Kadampa Meditation Centre in Temple Oak Village in Dublin. The website for the centre and also for the rest of our branches in Ireland is meditateinireland.com. Super easy to remember. Perfect. And through that, you can access all our social media pages and content and so forth. Um, we also have, brand, so we we normally run classes pretty much every night. I think every night now. Pretty much every night. And meditation sessions during the day that anyone can drop into whenever they like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have events at the weekend, like you are saying, We have, you know, workshops and retreats and sometimes we have away retreats like, you know, coming up soon. We have a coastal retreat in County Wexford um, where we just go a little bit deeper into meditation, gives people a chance to step out of the busyness of daily life. So we have a lot of that going on all year. Uh, We also have a branch here in Cork. Um, So we have a teacher down here, Kelsang Drama, doing a great job building up 
uh, events and so forth in Cork. And there's lots of things happening, like she does meditations at the park here in Cork and lots of great things happening. We also have a branch in Galway. Um, our teacher there is Barry Walsh, an experienced teacher who's been doing that for quite a while there. And he's doing classes every week and we do workshops there regularly. And sometimes I'll pop down and do something which I'm also doing in Limerick tomorrow. A bit late for anybody who's listening, but uh, tomorrow in, in uh, Limerick, I'm doing a workshop there. So we have, now and again, we do workshops or retreats in Limerick um, in the city. And we can. So we have uh, Dublin, Cork, Limerick and Galway, things going on all the time. Um, yeah, so Superb. that's essentially what Full schedule, so really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to, you know, to close out things, um, I just want to say a very, very sincere thank you, Kadam Adam Starr. Um, and... I suppose I'm going to put you on the spot, if you don't mind, you know, for a minute. I want to, I'd love to give people on the podcast and who might be watching on YouTube just a little flavour of um, of a brief meditation, if you wouldn't mind, um, just for five minutes, maybe a breathing minute, whatever you feel like doing, if that's okay. And uh, and we will close out the podcast at that stage. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening and for joining. And a special thanks to you, Adam, for uh, for your time in chatting with such wisdom and such insight and explaining everything, the magic that can be found in them um, and the benefits of, of mindfulness and meditation. Uh, and I'd encourage everybody to check out the, the show notes. Um, all the links are there and how you can contact Adam and everybody there at Meditate in Ireland. Now, it's really lovely to be with you again, Peter, and thanks a million. It's been a delight to catch up. Thank Pleasure you. I hope everybody finds something useful from today. So this is a, a simple, very simple breathing meditation we can all use whenever we want to connect to that peace within us, that natural feelings of joy within us, and to really just get a bit of a feeling for our potential to change. So we can do this meditation together. So you just want to gently close your eyes. If you wish, you can leave them slightly open to allow some light in. Allow your back to be nice and straight, but relaxed, no holding, no tension in the back. You can soften and relax through the shoulders. Soften and relax through the body, allowing the body to become relaxed and still. Just breathing naturally and gently through the nostrils, just your normal breath, nothing unusual. Just let it ebb and flow. And we just make a conscious choice now to let go of our day, to let go of the world out there just for now. So that we can turn in and relax into meditation. And therefore we turn our attention inward. Towards the mind.
as you turn inward, you'll become aware of various thoughts, feelings, emotions, distractions arising in the mind. For now, just let them be. Don't feel you have to control them, repress them, or push them away. Just allow them to rise and dissolve like waves arising and dissolving in an ocean. Making no judgment of what's arising in the mind. And just allowing them to follow their natural course of arising and dissolving back into the mind. If we don't follow them, get caught up in them, identify with them, they'll naturally dissolve anyway. To help you with this, just bring your attention to the breath, entering and leaving through your nostrils, and give yourself permission to just relax and let go of paying attention to anything else. On each inhalation and exhalation, just allow your attention to move closer and closer to the breath. Until you experience a gradual settling within the mind and an increasing peace within. course you'll notice as you try to focus on the breath the mind just wants to wander through thoughts and distractions most importantly never worry at all it's entirely normal when you notice the attention has wandered from the breath just remind yourself to relax and return to the breath, relax, and return to the breath. Each time coming back and just remaining there that little bit longer, until you experience that natural settling within the mind, and increasing peace within, and focusing more and more on breath.
coming back to breath. Relaxing the goal, focusing on anything else. Rest your mind on the breath. Allow your attention to settle on the breath. Very gently move your focus away from the breath and just become aware of how you feel. Be aware of any experience of inner peace or peace of mind. No matter how slight, just simply relax into and enjoy that inner peace, that peace of mind. Notice how the more you simply relax, enjoy and abide with that peace, the more it will naturally start to fill your heart, to fill your mind. Abide and enjoy that peace of mind. Just gently contemplate. It's clear through this experience. It's possible to let go of what's bothering that mind. Stress, distractions and so forth not essential to the mind, can let them go in time. And when I let go, there arises naturally inner peace or peace of mind. And this is because inner peace is natural to my mind. 
and therefore I have a source of peace and happiness within my mind that I can tune into whenever I like. And finally, this experience is revealing I have a potential to become something with increasing peace and happiness within my heart, within my mind. Potential to become someone who's increasingly at peace, truly happy from the inside out. So we allow that to give rise to a heartfelt intention to train in meditation and daily life, cultivate that potential for deeper peace, happiness and good qualities within our heart. This is what I'm going to do. So that it gradually influences everything I think say and do. So it brings benefit not only to me, to everyone I meet. So I'm going to cultivate this potential within my heart. Just gently relax your concentration. Slowly open your eyes and arise from meditation. So I hope that can be of some help to everyone. Thank you. Mm -hmm.